Thank you for coming to join us um, for, uh, for worship this morning. I have just a couple of quick things to pass your way. One is uh, in a couple of weeks, our women's uh, ministries Bible study is starting, and you can find the details about that out on, uh, on Church Center in the events section where you can sign up um, to be a part of that study. And if you have uh, questions or have trouble, please feel free to, to get in touch with me. I'm happy to help you with that. Um, and that's all I think I have. But now I'm thinking there was something else. I guess not. I'll tell you later. <clears throat> Let's stand together.
This morning for this time that we can come together and continue singing um, and celebrating um, the coming 
of Jesus. Father, we ask that you would draw us close this morning. Draw us close to you. Draw us close to one another. Through our time in the word and through our time together um, celebrating the life that you ultimately gave for us. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. I do remember what the other announcement was. It was, we're going to do communion. So if you came in the side and didn't get the communion elements, run and get it right now. I was going to start with that. I'm delaying. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. The other announcement is no dismissal to Sunshine Kids Club. Yes, we are going to, uh, after we look at the last few verses of 1 Thessalonians and turn and uh, close out our sermon series, we are going to observe communion. So if you have not uh, gotten the elements, they are at the back table here in the, in the back entrance, and this is a great time to get it. Our uh, communion table, the Lord's table, is open to everybody that is a believer in Jesus Christ, and um, we invite the parents to lead their children in this time of worship, and we are glad that uh, we can do this in communion with Christ. The good news is this, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and rose again from the dead, victorious over sin and death. And that is good news because God's word tells us that we can't measure up to his standard. We cannot uh, get to heaven on our own. We cannot have a relationship with God on our own. So you can just quit trying. If that's your uh, thing, trying to navigate life apart from Jesus Christ, you can try, quit trying to be a better person. You might become a better person than people you know, but uh, there's a ceiling. And, and that ceiling is uh, the glory of God, the, his righteousness that we cannot attain apart from Jesus Christ. But as I said, the good news is Christ paid a penalty that we were due. We're due the penalty of death for being sinners. And we're told that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sin. He was a sinless substitute. And you can simply believe in him as God the Son who died on the cross for your sin in your place. Ask him to enter your life and he will forgive your sins and give you the free gift of eternal life. That's the great news of the gospel. And I invite you to do that right now where you are if you don't yet know Jesus Christ as your Savior. We've been looking at the letter to Thessalonica, Paul's letter we call First Thessalonians. Uh, over the last uh, few months in the sermon series we titled, Practically Speaking, what happens when that gospel that we just talked about takes root in your life and in my life and in the life of the church family? Together, What happens when the gospel takes root? Well, this morning we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 25 to 28, as we close out the book. And we're going to answer that question that, that uh, when the gospel takes root, love flows freely. When the gospel takes root, love flows freely. Obviously, that speaks to our relationship with Jesus Christ. It also speaks to our relationship with others. And we're thankful that uh, Paul, that God gave us this word through Paul. And we're thankful that uh, the believers in Thessalonica experienced a lot of the same things that we go through. We can identify with them. So we've seen a number of things through this series as we looked about what it means to follow God and what it means to follow God with the power of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, 
to experience transformation from the inside out because God is at work in us and through us, just like he was in Thessalonica. So what Paul's going to do for us here in these four verses, he's going to give us four hints at how love can flow more freely in your life and in my life, in the life of our church family. And I think it's a great way to close it out. You know, Paul always closes out his, his uh, letters relationally, and, and I think here he's, he not only does that in his closing, but he also gives us hints about how to let love flow more freely. The first one is this in verse 25, pray for one another. Love flows freely when we pray one another. We can relate to one another by relating to God first and interceding, praying on behalf of one another. It's the Lord himself who invited us to come to the throne of grace boldly, boldly because we're related to God through Christ for help in time of need, for his grace and his mercy. So Paul wrote this. He said, brethren, pray for us. Brethren, pray for us. The brother of, Je of Jesus, James, in his little letter said, we have not because we ask not. When we pray, the hand of God moves. And when we intercede for one another, we are standing in the gap asking the Lord to care for that person, to answer prayer, to lead them, to guide them, to ultimately allow them to become more like Christ, regardless of the circumstances going on in their lives. So Paul does this, and, and when he prays, when he asks for prayer, he's asking for prayer that is just both personal for his needs and his circumstances, but also for his ministry. Prayer can, uh, Paul consistently asks for prayer throughout his letters for the ministry that the Lord has given him. And here at CBC, one of the marks of our communities, whether it's adult Bible fellowship <clears throat> or small groups or just friendships, is that we enjoy praying for one another and not just praying for the material needs, those are important, or the circumstances of our lives, but for our own spiritual growth, to see God at work in us. What is he doing as we go through these circumstances? How is he leading us? How can we gain a fresh understanding of his grace? How is he transforming us to become more like Jesus Christ? And I love that our communities are that way. I love that we are that way as a church family, as we relate to one another through prayer. What would it look like if, if we now include with that more prayer for ministry? Because ministry is moved by God. We're told throughout Scripture, but it's specifically in 1 Corinthians, that uh, Paul planted the seed and Apollos watered, but God brings the growth. And so when we do ministry as a church family, we want to be praying for that. I think that would take our ministry, I think that would take our outreach into our community, I think it would take our relationships to the next level. When we take our prayer for one another more seriously, when it comes to ministry itself, just like we saw in December as we were praying for the giving tree and the impact of that on the families of the community of the county. First hint we get is that when we pray for one another, love flows freely. The second hint is in verse 26, be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. Now, you may feel like a preschooler when you hear me say that, because that's what we tell our preschoolers all the time, right? Be kind. I think we end up telling our, our children all the way through uh, teenage years, be kind to one another. It's one that, it's a message that all of us need. When 
we are kind to one another. Love flows freely. Paul is going to talk about uh, how they greet one another. He says this in verse 26, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss, a holy kiss. The holy kiss was more than just the customary uh, courtesy greeting that you get in France today. Say, if you go over there and, and you greet someone with a big hug and they kiss you on this cheek and they kiss you on this cheek, and then you walk away from each other. This was more of an intentional greeting. It was more of a, a look you in the eye. I, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm with you. I'm glad that I'm united to Jesus and you're united to Jesus so that we're united to one another. I'm glad that we can do life in Christ together. This is more than just simple affection. This is a kindness to one another that is intentional, that draws us not only to each other through kind hearts, but to our Lord in greater worship because of what he's doing in our life and how we want to reach out to one another. Such a greeting sets the table for greater harmony within the church family, and that sets the table for transformation. When we are kind to one another, love flows freely. The third hint that we get for love flowing freely is in verse 27. That's where we see that we are to live and learn God's word. Live and learn God's word. Love flows freely when we prioritize response to God's word. Paul has instructed the followers of Jesus in Thessalonica throughout the entire book to take God's word seriously, to not only learn it, but to, to live it. To, to not only gain information, but to apply it in their lives. And this is how he puts it at the end of uh, that great passage of discipleship in chapter 2. In verse 13, he, he says this, he, he praises them, he admires their response. He says, for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God which also performs its work in you who believe. God's word is living and dynamic. God's word is powerful. God's word instructs us and informs us as to how to follow Jesus and to live in a way that pleases God. And we respond to God's word with a loving response of obedience Then he continually changes us from the inside out so that we are more like Jesus Christ. Love flows freely when we learn and live God's word. And the fourth hint is this, verse 28, experience God's grace. Love flows freely when we experience God's grace. Paul closed his letter out with this, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Jesus himself informed us that his grace was sufficient for everything in our lives, certainly su sufficient to save us from our sins but sufficient to save us from the power of sin so that we can live righteously, so that we can obey God, so we can learn God's word and live it. His unmerited favor toward us is his expression of un unconditional love toward us. We experience God's grace. We experience his love to the fullest. And Paul wants us to recognize that. He's given it as a blessing, but he's also reminding us that this is what swirls through our lives because Jesus is involved with us because he's at work in us and through us. And Paul wants us to recognize that, to anticipate it, to live out of the power of God's grace. 
dry and, and dreary lives become vibrant and they become full and rich when we recognize and experience God's grace in our lives. We respond to God with greater worship and we face the world around us with greater love. Love flows freely when we experience God's grace. So as we turn to communion, I want us to consider God's love for us. The supreme manifestation of his love for us is Jesus Christ on the cross. And I'm gonna turn over to 1 Corinthians 11 with the words that Paul used when he received from the Lord the ordinance that we have. And I'm gonna start with verse 23 as Paul introduces this little section, he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. I think it's extremely interesting that he includes that phrase, on the night which he was betrayed. We hear that and automatically we think about the cross and, and what he went through, but sometimes we skip over the idea that this is on the night he was betrayed, that, that the night before he went to the cross, he's under incredible stress. There's fear among the disciples. There's confusion. They're in Jerusalem where everybody wants to do away with Jesus Christ. And in the midst of that kind of burden, he expresses his love to the disciples to the fullest. He washes their feet. He breaks bread with them. This is before he's going to be betrayed. This is before he's going to be abandoned by his disciples in the garden. This is before he's going to be denied by Peter. This is gonna be, this is right before he goes to the cross. And we're told that on the night that he did that, he loved his disciples to the fullest. We get that from the Gospels, where we read about that relationship that night. And so right here in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul reminds us of the love of Jesus for us. And our love is able to flow freely because the love of Christ is in us. If you have trusted him as Savior and you have receive the forgiveness of sins, and he has entered your life with his eternal life. His love flows through you. So we have much to celebrate when we celebrate Jesus Christ and communion. I'm going to invite you to take the wafer, the bread, which, which represents, symbolizes the body of Christ, broken for you on the cross, his death on the cross, dying as a sinless substitute for your sin and for mine. I'm going to read the words of Jesus, and then we will take this wafer together. When he had given thanks, when Jesus had given thanks, he broke the bread, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take it together. Let's hold the cup. Peel back the top. This cup represents the blood that was shed by Jesus Christ. 
We're told that he is the lamb of the world. He takes away the sins of the world by his sinless sacrifice as a substitute for us. Scripture tells us there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. Christ gave his life for us. And this is what he instructed Paul to say. This is what he said. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. Lord Jesus, you are our creator, our sustainer. You are, most importantly, our redeemer. Thank you for going to the cross to pay for our sins. Thank you for offering salvation through faith in you. Thank you for doing all the work that we might experience your grace by faith. And we thank you for the life we experience in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. My fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear? The hour I first believed. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed. Shine, but God who calls. 
Thank you guys for being with us this morning. Have a great week.